we have subscribed for years to a Christian periodical that is called the Christian Century. I believe that it got its name because it took its uh, establishment somewhere around the year 1900. Um, it is a wonderful periodical which is now edited by a man whose name is Peter Marty. And Peter offers an editorial reflection at the beginning of each issue in a recent publication of this periodical Peter shared the story that in conversation with one of his co-workers there in the office that his co-worker had told him that her daughter Emily had graduated from preschool that's an important thing and she said that at the graduation, or just after the graduation, that this parent of Emily had a conversation with the teacher of Emily. And the teacher was just so filled with the presence of this little child and how much it had meant to have her as a student. She said she is an absolute Angel, I don't know that I have ever taught a child as kind as Emily. And the parent was smiling, basking in the glory of it all, when the, parent, when the teacher offered a caveat and said, but let me tell you that you've got to toughen her up or she will get eaten alive next year when she hits the real school. I don't know how you have reared your children and how you might relate to the world around you, but some would say that this is good instruction because we live in an environment that is too predicated by bullies and that they are present in and throughout the world. Jesus was teaching the crowd and he looked out into the midst of them and he spoke words of deep wisdom. They were an observation, but they also are something upon which we might begin to understand our faith and to model our lives after. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain or receive mercy it is a simple statement but it is filled with such insight I want to say on the one hand really really is this the way it works out I've encountered some of those bullies and they can leave a wide streak in their path The world must believe in what Jesus says. I believe that Micah believed that. The prophet Micah, who was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah, Micah certainly in his reflections on the culture of the nation in which he lived, saw the dull effects of 
violence upon the lives of those that were there. And there were points in his writing where he spoke words of doom, but that is not what he is known for most of all. Micah is known for his words of hope. You know that he is the one who records in his writing, He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And you know that in some of your translations, it says, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Micah knew what it took. If you turn back a page in his writing, you'll see a passage of Scripture that we focus on often during the season of Advent, that time of peace, where he says, He shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And I cannot help but imagine that Jesus, who spoke on the subject of swords, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword, had Micah there in his mind when he uttered those words. Because mercy is something that must be very intentional in our lives in order that the world might be rid of bullying and injustice. It's interesting that when Moses came down from the mount, he brought with him, of course, those tablets upon which the Ten Commandments were written. The first edition is somewhere on the side of the mountain, crumbling in bits as I speak. But the second edition... Someone surely looked at these with greater reverence and asked the question, where should these be kept? Out of the instruction that Moses received, a box was built that was a very simple box. It had rods on either side so that those who were going to transport these precious tablets from one location to another did not intentionally, at least, touch the box. They could carry the box without touching the box. But what is interesting about this is that the box was so revered that it was enamored all round with gold. And the top that was placed on the box was unlike any top of a box that anyone perhaps had ever seen. In fact, there was a gold angel sitting on either end of the box. If you Google this, you can see many artists' renderings of what it may have looked like. Each of those artists' renderings are a little bit different because everybody pictures this a little differently. 
we do not have a picture of the ark of the covenant in fact it is all a matter of our projecting ourselves into the idea that that top was there in all its glory the angels as it is spoken in scripture sat on either side do you know what the top of that box became known as it was called from early on the mercy seat the mercy seat of God it carried what was very precious in terms of the law but that which was most present there in looking upon the ark of the covenant was that God's mercy ruled the day one of the things that you may not know is when we receive communion here it is often the case that someone will speak a word to me when I'm serving communion here at this altar a number of of years ago now a precious member of this congregation spoke to me at the altar I had just railed from this pulpit calling us to be a people of justice and calling for us to claim this in our hearts a world that is so in need of justice and with her wisdom when she came to receive the little piece of bread that I placed in her hand she looked up at me and she said I prefer mercy to justice and I thought how wise how wise she is because I do too it is mercy upon which God builds his salvation this is the very thing that draws us in to our own salvation God's giving to us the very nature of his heart our life is in balance our life is in delicate balance both individually and in terms of the community around us and even our nation and the world our life is in balance as to those who will see the importance of mercy and invest their lives in it Barbara Brown Taylor tells that she was at the coast and early one morning she got up and was walking along the beach when she realized that there was a sea turtle that was in the dunes and was disoriented instead of heading out toward the sea she realized that this sea turtle because of its exhaustion at having laid what a hundred eggs there in the sand did not realize where it was supposed to go and it was actually headed inland rather than out toward the ocean as she saw the situation and realized with the rising of the Sun that the day was going to become hotter and hotter to the demise of the sea turtle she went over to a lifeguard and told of the situation the lifeguard 
called a fellow that was just down the beach a little further that had a Jeep. And he drove up and knew exactly what to do because he walked out on the dunes and grabbed that sea turtle and flipped the sea turtle on his back, on her back. And then she took tire cha- he took tire chains and hooked it around the sea turtle's flappers and then hooked that chain to the hitch on the back of his Jeep and drugged the sea turtle all the way down to the edge of the water. And when he had unlinked that sea turtle from its shackles and flipped it back upright, it was at that point that the waves began to take over and the sea turtle knew where it was and where it needed to go. Now, I would imagine that at any point along that journey, if you had asked the sea turtle what was going on, he would say, I don't know, but it is not good. And you may have been there yourself at some point in your life when you did not realize until later that God was coaxing you in the direction of mercy. And yet it didn't feel like mercy in the process. I believe that God calls us to be very intentional with doing the work of mercy. And this is not an act of weakness. This is not something that we should cower in our hearts with. This is something that you and I are called to raise the banner for. And particularly here at Pittman Park, you and I must rise to the occasion in our day and age, with the issues that are at hand, to be the banner-carrying mercenaries of mercy. You and I are the people upon which the Holy Spirit is counting. Sometimes it is hard to tell what is going on But if you and I preserve within our hearts, we will know. And soon the world will know. Because mercy comes full circle round back to those who are merciful. I believe it in my heart. Do you remember the story that Jesus told of the man who was hurting on the side of the road? And there were a couple of perhaps well meaning individuals who walked by on the other side who passed by him because either time would not allow or because it was not right it might endanger them in some way if they had any contact with this person who was injured and already dying I mean what can be done there beside the road but the one who finally took mercy was the least likely to do so. Someone who would have been ostracized in the religious community. The one whom we now call the Good Samaritan is the one who comes and cradles this one who is hurt in his arms and rests him for what no doubt was a painful journey from that place on the road to a place where he could be housed in comfort and recuperate. You and I are called not only 
to see who does the caring. We are called to be the ones who do the caring. We are called to be the merciful, embracing our role as agents of mercy. Matthew records a lot of stories that Jesus has told, but perhaps the most scathing is this one. And if you'll allow me, I want to read this passage of Scripture for us too this day. For this reason, the, serv- the kingdom of God, heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents, which is the equivalent of what would be millions of dollars today, he was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, about the equivalent of a third of a year's wages. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. And when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they, went, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy, should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is an act of mercy that we are called to. Why? Because it is the nature of God. Don't overanalyze that parable that I've just read. But think about this. What is your life being offered to? Is it to the heart of God? Is it to the nature of what He is about? One of my very favorite psalms, is Psalm 103. Why? Because it allows for mercy to be at work in the way that God always is seeking to put in place. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful. And gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Now Jesus speaks with sternness to bullies, especially religious bullies. Jesus spoke to those who felt like they understood what God was about. And he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Our salvation itself is based on mercy. You know that we are sinners saved by God's grace. Paul made it his refrain in almost every statement that he wrote in the New Testament writings. But we are called to share mercy. And remember that little child, Emily? Even Emily knew that. We are called to share mercy. Will we rise to the occasion to do that where God gives us opportunity? I receive many, many things through the mail. I took interest that a very conservative religious mission agency in their most recent newsletter had involved themselves in something that was quite unexpected as far as I was concerned. They were doing the work of ministry on our southern border right there at the edge of Texas and Mexico. And in that article by this conservative missional sending agency, there was nary a word about political polarization, nor was there in any way a suggestion of what would or might happen. But I can tell you, over and over again, they stated very strongly in that article that they were ministering to people on both sides of the border. And they included a map through which you could trace the towns, the twin towns that dot the southern border of Texas and the northern edge of Mexico. And I want to say, they get it. They get it. Because they are a merciful people. Blessed are 
the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Become people of mercy. This is the most important thing that we could possibly do to represent God in this world.